praise God for the time of um, remembrance that we had. I think every thought and every prayer and every song just weave what a great salvation we have, right? What a great salvation that we have. And um, could really sense the Spirit of the Lord just leading us, especially in a time of worship. Um, it would have been great to hear a few of us just give thanks in prayer, um, you know, but uh, we can give thanks to God for, um, for the time of remembrance today. Um, thank you, Kevin, for reading the passage. Um, and thank you. There, there are many brothers who just uh, reached out and said that they are praying. Uh, thank you for praying for all of us who speak because we can't speak in the flesh. We need the Spirit of the Lord to speak to us and through us, and that should change us and change us as a church. So thank you for um, reaching out. You know, you know, we've been we've been looking into um, uh, the book of Luke. Uh, you know, parallelly we've been looking at announcements about the birth of Jesus uh, and John the Baptist. Uh, you know, God's visitation to his parents, their responses, the prophecies um, about these two newborns and so on. Last week, uh, what did we hear? What did Pradeep speak on? The first row hears all of it. You know, let's check after the pillar. What did uh, <laughs> the answer has come? But what did Mary speak about? Oh, what did uh, Pradeep speak about? <laughs> there goes the clue. There goes the clue. What did Pradeep speak about? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the song of Mary, right? And about how she glorifies and gives thanks to God about uh, the birth of the Messiah. And, uh, you know, just a few weeks back, I think three weeks back, Brother Jerry spoke about the announcement that came to Elizabeth about John the Baptist. And today I would be just continuing from that passage that Jerry spoke. So there's, there's, there would be a bit of gap, but just make sure that we are connected to the events that happened. To help you recollect, I'll just mention a few uh, background events that happened. You know, Luke records in Luke 1 verses 5 that there was a priest in Jerusalem and he had married the daughter of a priest and her name was Elizabeth. This priest's name was what? Zechariah. Okay. And uh, it was a rare and a wonderful thing for a priest, uh, you know, to be married in a priestly home. But Luke 1 verse 6 says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. Just imagine their wedding. They're so happy, right? One of, a, one of a lifetime opportunity for a priestly couple to come together. And many of them would have congratulated them, right? Um, and probably, you know, historically, there would have been an anticipation that, you know, Jewish couples could probably expect the Messiah through them. You know, so there was a sense of anticipation, like where would the Messiah come from? So if any family had the right ingredients, this was the family, Zechariah and Elizabeth. But Luke 1 verse 7 says that they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. You know, in that line itself, there's so much of pain, right? So many years of prayer, so many tears, so many unanswered questions between those lines. And in fact, culturally, it was also difficult for Elizabeth. It seems as if God has passed over them. There's no hope. But as Jerry mentioned, you know, um, things were about to change because God breaks through the silence. 400 years of silence and then God comes through. It was an important day of Zechariah's life. He was at the temple. Uh, his responsibility was to burn the incense. Once in a lifetime privilege. And as he was there, who spoke to him? 
Yeah, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, right? And Gabriel tells Zechariah, do not be afraid. Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. And Luke 1, verses 14 to 17, you know, it, uh, you know, the angel tells him that many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God and he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. You can see that in the last portion of, um, of the book of Malachi. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Unbelievable news. This news itself is not great, but it is just unimaginable about what Gabriel is telling Zechariah. But Zechariah, just like us, we love good news, but we find it difficult to believe. And he asked a sign. You know, I'm amazed that God didn't strike him down. But Gabriel was so generous, yet there was a judgment there. And he said, here is your sign from that moment forward. For the next nine months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who didn't speak? Zechariah I can imagine the joy Elizabeth could have had. You know, like, you know, I don't need to hear anything, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that this family was such a godly family, but for nine months, he spoke not a word. You know, the portion for today, we're going to look into it. Um, yeah, this is going to be the initial start. The next time Zechariah spoke, it was to name his son as the angel instructed. It was a joyous moment holding his little John in his hands. Zechariah breaks forth into a song that is a praise to God. It is his Benedictus, Zechariah's prophecy. A Benedictus is nothing but a short hymn of praise, a hymn of blessing. He should have been able to give this when? Nine months before when he stepped out of the temple? Everybody was waiting for him to say something, right? But he was what? He was, yeah, he couldn't talk. He was mute. In fact, he was also deaf, okay? He couldn't speak or he couldn't hear. So this is his Benedictus. And the lyrics of his song takes us to the scene behind the heart of a godly man. On the eve of incarnation when God became man. Looking at John's birth, you know, what can we learn um, and it says that when Elizabeth's baby was to be born, she gave birth to a son and everybody rejoiced with her. And when the baby was eight days old, they came for a circumcision ceremony and they wanted to name him what? Zechariah. Why? Because it was a custom during those days that the child will be named after the father. So when she said, um, you know, his name is John, you know, their response is, what? But there's nobody in your family. There's nobody in your family named John. There is, no, there is no uncle, there's no cousin, there's no brother. There is nobody named John. And it says that they gestured to Zacharias and says, and Zacharias, you know what? He didn't take an iPad. He took a tablet, which was probably made of wood, and they used to put wax on top of it. Okay, and he probably took a little twig, no stylus. Um, and he wrote on it, his name is John. What happened, brothers and sisters, the moment he said that? His mouth was opened. And instantly when his mouth was opened, what did Zacharias do? He praised God. You know, brothers and sisters, um, 
the pressure that Zacharias and Elizabeth had that they did not name him Zacharias would have been probably immense there, okay? It was an answer to prayer, and this was a moment in a circumcision ceremony that they should have actually followed the customs and the traditions. But it's amazing, right, how Zacharias and Elizabeth stands firm. Stands firm. They wanted the verdict from the father, but Zacharias and Elizabeth were going against the customs and traditions practice of those days of how children were named. They wanted to be faithful to God. You know, he stands firm on his conviction and his revelation from God. And I just want to take a small little, um, the multiple truths you can learn. You can definitely discuss more in your cell groups. But God's word versus customs, traditions, and practices. And we in an Indian setting, we know that, right? There's a lot of practices that have come up from various roots. You know, so just want to ask us, you know, this is something that we really want to encourage us. Or, is our faith our very own? Or is it just generic faith for the approval of men? Is our convictions based on God's word? Or is it someone else's conviction that I believe in? So I feel I'm, you know, I have faith. You know, there are worldviews and practices many of you college students face, right? Topics like what? Evolution, you know. Um, you know, abortion is so common. But you know what? That's not what the heart of the Lord says. That's not what scripture says. You know, the, if you look at the dark Indian dowry system, um, you know, many of you have heard of Pandita Ramabai, right? How she stood firm for the word of God when she fought against Sati. And, you know, she was considered as an outcast because her husband passed away later. And then she was seen as someone who had, you know, given up the Hindu faith and was a follower of the Lord. You know, sometimes there is church and also family traditions. I remember, you know, um, after weddings, when the bride comes home, uh, everybody, instead of receiving the bride, where will they be looking? The feet. Yeah, you're right, Georgia. And um, I would love to ask, uh, where, uh, yeah, meaning, uh, and we leave it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, whether the, the bride is going to enter with the right feet. Customs, practices, and traditions, you know, um, that, can, that can probably be bondages to us. You know, Zechariah and Elizabeth lived up to what was mentioned in Luke 1 verses 6. They were righteous in God's eyes. They obeyed all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They stood firm on their convictions and their revelation from God. You know, it is so clear that this, this couple was controlled by the word of God, was controlled by the word of God. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that they considered God first more than the approval of men. Can that be our prayer as well? Our prayer, many of you, dear ones, are going to get married soon. Will you stand firm by the word of God? Many of our families have to make multiple decisions. Will we say that we will not compromise on God's word but stand firm? There are multiple families that have practiced that over here. Let that be our prayer that we would have God's word firm against every tradition, practice, and customs that come our way. Test it with the word of God. Consume the word of God. Live by the word of God. The next portion we will look at is from Luke 1, 65 to 66. The moment, I'm so sorry that um, probably it might be too bright and cannot be seen. Um, the moment that Zacharias wrote his name is John, Zacharias could speak and he brings out this Benedictus. But look at the response of that, okay? It says it all fell upon the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. 
everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. You know, Luke brings it out that Zechariah's mouth was opened and what happened? Fear and wonder came upon all who dwelt around them. Just imagine the Judean uh, hill country. They would have been saying that, did you, did, you, did you hear that Elizabeth has conceived? You know, did you know that at that point of time at the temple that Zechariah was, saw a vision, he couldn't talk. And after nine months, when we wanted to encourage them, we wanted to encourage, we wanted to be with them and name him, um, you know, after his father, he said that his name is John and his mouth opened. Definitely there is who at work? God at work. 400 years of silence. And then the Judean hill country is buzzing with what? Probably the presence and the experience of that God is visiting his people. And then out of their amazement, right, they ask this question, what kind of child will this be? Is this going to be the Messiah? Is this, who is this child? And it says, for the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And brothers and sisters, church, just want to um, encourage us that, you know, um, we who are born again believers have what dwelling in, within us? The triune God, the Holy Spirit, right? Are we a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, giving hope to others? Romans 15 verse 13 says, I pray that, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope to the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when people observed John, it was not John the Baptist, but he observed John, probably they felt that God had visited them. Probably they saw that the hand of God was upon him, just like how the gracious hand of God was upon Ezra, on Nehemiah, on Daniel, on Joseph, and many of them. They knew that this boy could probably be special. You know, the Spirit of God was upon, the Spirit of God was upon John. You know, it was with him the, the day he was born. The Spirit of the Lord was, was with him before he was born. You know, it was with him. It made him leap in his mother's womb. It was with him when he went to Jordan River to baptize and call Israel to repentance. It was with him when he was in prison and later on he was martyred. You know, John lived a life that is so filled with the Spirit of God that you know, he was willing and ready to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Not only Zacharias and Elizabeth were godly and truly followed God, but even John followed his parents well. He was also a man filled with the Spirit of God. What a, what a godly family. You know, families, we just want to encourage you, have godly ambitions for your families. You know, lead your families in a way that God would approve of. What a family to emulate, right? Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, is our faith and our life led by God's Spirit, giving hope to others? Moving to the central part of the message, you know, Zechariah's Benedictus, and we're going to look at it, and this is about the Messiah. Thank you, Georgie. And I'm just going to highlight a few things that Zechariah sings about, okay, in his, uh, in his first part. It says that God has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior. Horn of salvation is mentioned in another translation. Horn of salvation from the royal line of his servant, David just as he promised through his holy prophets. Now, we will be saved from our enemies. Um, Zechariah prophecies that 
you know, God remembers his sacred, sacred covenant and the oath that he made to his ancestor Abraham. He has rescued us from our enemies so we can serve God without fear, in holiness and in righteousness. You know, the main theme of Zechariah's Benedictus is what? Salvation. He's a hope for Israel and the hope for mankind. Salvation. And he also brings out the attributes of God in between. You know, there are four key truths that we will look at. There might be multiple. Please, you know, please, um, uh, you know, when during your cell groups, you know, if there's any one of you not attending cell groups, uh, the the older members and the new members, you know, we encourage you to connect with your cell group, sit with your group and study together God's word and enjoy community. You can find out multiple truths, but I'm just going to point out four. The first one is the divine visitation and the redemption of mankind. And Zechariah brings this out. He says, praise, verse 68, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. You know, it involves God coming to man, God coming to human beings. God had been silent for 400 years, you know, and in that 400 years, the people of Israel have been waiting for a word. They've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. And they were living under the rule of the Roman um, the Roman Empire, right? They felt that they were still living in exile from God. They had not seen the fulfillment of God's promises. You know, one of the authors, um, he says that man's extremity is God's opportunity. When man sees there's no hope, and that's when God steps in. You know, what Zechariah needed and what Israel needed as a nation and what you and I needed is a supernatural divine visitation by God and Jesus accomplished that by his visit and coming down in the form of a baby and we sang just that you know Christ had to come this happened supremely historically in the advent of Jesus Christ the incarnation and Jesus is Emmanuel God with us and Romans 5 6 to 8 says for while we were still weak still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly you know personally it reminds me um you know, we know that Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were literally barren, right? We know that? Just imagine our condition. You and me were spiritually barren. Spiritually barren. There was nothing that we could do to bring joy into our lives. Christ had to come. Christ had to die for us. You know, it's about Christ conquering and bruising the serpent's head in us and reinstating us in the love of God. Salvation is also about a divine visitation. It is true historically. It is true personally in many of our lives. You and me needed a savior. And Zechariah in his prophecy tells about the coming of the savior in Israel. The second, the second truth that Zechariah points us out to is the display of God's mighty power. It says that he has sent us a mighty savior, horn of salvation. Any other words used in any of your Bibles? Any other words? Mighty Savior, anyone of you not opening your Bibles, I encourage you to open your Bibles. It's a time to study God's word. If not, then the horn of salvation, the conquering Messiah. You know, the horn is, you know, you know sometimes when you go to a, a park or whatever, amuse, not amusement park, a zoo or a, um, what do you call, um, like a forest reserve, you love to see deers, right? Deers. And you love to see the ones with the 
horn, right? So the horn is seen as that it can give an animal victory in battle. It's indicated strength. The horn has a symbol of, of strength and power. And David uses it as, as, uses it as a metaphor in Psalm 118 verse 2. Now, for Zechariah to mention about the display of God's mighty power, he personally has experienced it. When did he experience it? In the temple when he was burning the incense. But what he's calling out is, is about the coming Messiah because he already knows that Elizabeth's cousin Mary is carrying a child and it was supernatural conception. She had conceived by the Holy Spirit. She has conceived the Christ child. She is bearing the Messiah. Now, brothers and sisters in church, just want to encourage us that God displays his power through the means of human weakness. In the last two, three weeks, we've been hearing it constantly. That's the story of incarnation. And it is a story of crucifixion as well, where God's greatest demonstration of God's grace and redemption in all the history is seen on the cross. And Tobin took us through even the, the suffering that happened on the cross, right? Where Jesus, the savior of, of, of mankind, God-man dies in weakness for our sins. That's why probably Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 says, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The display of God's mighty power was seen in his humble birth, his sacrificial death, his victories, the resurrection, and soon his triumphant return. Zechariah also brings up uh, the four, you know, I'm just going to point out another fourth truth that Zechariah brings up, and that's the covenant and the promise keeping God. If you look at those verses mentioned over there, there's a lot of promise and hope that is prophesied to Israel. And there's a lot of prophecy that is about the Messiah coming, but he's calling out and singing it back to them. Zechariah just can't stop glorifying God. He keeps, you know, a God who keeps his promises. Zechariah prophecies about two different covenants. One is the, David, the, the covenant with David. And he mentions that the horn of salvation will come from the line of David. The other, the other covenant that he mentions about is the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant to Abraham that he swore, that God swore to him. That all the nations would be blessed through you. You know, for us as New Testament believers, you know, if you look at the Abrahamic covenant, God, is all, God has fulfilled that with the coming of the Lord Jesus through that line. And we have the joy of experiencing this Messiah that has come for each one of us. And many of us here have accepted him as our personal Savior. And many of you are still, still uh, you know, seeking him out and we hope that you will find him soon. You know, Christ's de life, death and resurrection forges a new covenant. And Sujay touched on that today with born-again believers, you know. Hebrews 9, 13 to 15. You know, we, this is a common portion that we read. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of heaver sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purifying conscience from dead works to serving the living God. And verse 15 says, Therefore he is the mediator of the new covenant so that all those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Brothers and sisters, the new covenant is a promise that God makes with mankind that he will forgive sins and restore communion with those whose hearts believe in his son, Jesus Christ. 
And as we partook, as we as we had taken part from the bread and the wine, you know, it's 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 an effect of the new covenant that Christ made with us. You know, He defeated death by His resurrection and restored restored life for each one of us who believed in Him. I just want to encourage you all that we have a God who remembers His covenant. We have a God who fulfills His promises. We have a God who remembers and will fulfill the oaths that he has made. No one can contend. No authority can ever throw him off. He can never he can never lie. He never goes back again. He never goes back on his words and he has fulfilled that through Christ Jesus. Zechariah reminds Israel that the coming of the Messiah is equivalent to God keeping his covenant and promises. The last point is he mentions about the transforming enablement of the coming of the Messiah, the prophecies about the Messiah coming, but what, what can happen to Israel? You know? And Zechariah sings that this Messiah brings to those who trust and follow him, and he prophesies that three things that could happen to them. One is Israel can respond in loving and serving God wholeheartedly. Two is Israel can respond in loving and serving God wholeheartedly without fear or condemnation. Earlier on, you know, when they went through exile, any time they did not serve God, obey the Lord, what, what happened to them? They went into exile and judgment and condemnation, right? And also Israel can respond in holy and righteous living unto Yahweh all the days of their life. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by the testing you, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect because of Jesus Christ because of his visitation divine visitation to us because of his death because of his suffering because he rose again on the third day we experience spiritual transformation to serve him to serve him we also experience emotional transformation to serve him without fear right and the last thing is we, we experience behavioral transformation. How would our behaviors be in holiness and in righteousness all the days of our life? What an enablement by the Holy Spirit, right? You know, let me tell you an incident, um, uh, 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 a real-life incident that I had read in a book um, uh, by a brother called David Roper. Uh, David Roper, um, Words of Wisdom from Scripture, uh, and from his life, he writes in a book called Teach Me to Number My Days. In fact, when Stephen came this time, Stephen got me uh, the book. So Stephen, thank you for, uh, for ministering to me. And I just wanted to bring this out to us. You know, uh, this Roper family one day when uh, in the evening, in the, in, when they were sitting in their house, uh, you know, suddenly they heard um, desperate tweeting. Okay, it's not, you know, not on Twitter or anything, but desperate bird tweets that is happening outside in the backyard. And the Roper family immediately went out and in the darkness they were looking and then they saw their robin. Okay, their robin is a bird. Okay, that's, uh, you know, that's the, that's the robin. Their robin had four little hatchlings. The robin was there and the robin was just frantic flying over, feathers going all over. And they decided to see what is the issue and they could see in the darkness that there was a, a street cat that was slowly moving towards the, the nest. Now, so the Roper family came to the rescue of their robin and they came and they shooed away, they clapped and they did all the stuff and the 
cat just ran away. It stood firm for some time, but it ran away. Brothers and sisters, just imagine, huh? just imagine, okay? What could have the robin been thinking of the, the entire event? If she could talk, what, should he, what could she have said about the event? You know, did she know that someone powerful who cared for her, liked her, and probably who used to feed her and her family, um, heard her cries and rushed out to help? Just think about it. So probably there were two incidents that Roper writes, you know. The next day, Robin goes to the bird bath. That's a, that's a bird bath where the birds all come and they sit. And um, with the rest of the birds, she says, guys, you know what, I need to tell you something. Yesterday, something amazing happened. Okay? Not that birds can talk. I'm just, you know, this is just an illustration, okay? Um, and she said that, you know, yesterday evening, I had gone to get fresh worms, fresh worms for supper for my little ones. And on the way back, I knew that something was not right. And then as I, as I flew and I saw this, this, this big, you know, furry disaster standing over there ready to pounce on my little ones. And then I knew Robin, it's time for action. Okay? And I said that I started to stop. In midair, I stopped and I started to think about assertiveness, self-defense, and all the things that I have seen. And I went dive-bombing and started to peck on this little, on this, on, this, on this thing called disaster. And I tried all that I can. I was losing ground, but I fought. I am Robin. Okay? And I did all that I can. And guess what? The cat ran away. And when I turned back, there was a crowd behind me just clapping. Wow, great job. Look at that bird's amazing, amazing feat of bravery over here. And the robin stood over there and said, Man, I am something. Or, 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 oh, I got a catch, okay. Or, <laughs> the robin goes to the bird bath. And um, says, guys, I need to tell you something. Says, yesterday when I went in the evening, I wanted to catch worms for my little ones. And I came back and I saw this thing called disaster standing over there and slowly getting closer towards my nest. I thought I could do something. um, And I felt that, you know, that um, I could probably try to attack this, 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 this big uh, trouble over here. And I went to dive bombing and started to peck but the cat didn't move. It was larger and bigger than me. You know, with my heart in my throat, I knew I had to do something. So uh, I could see that I was losing ground. I was in no match for this enemy. I knew that not only me, but my little ones would be consumed. But I knew I had to do something. I remembered someone who owned the bush where I had my nest. I knew that he smiled at me and was delighted with my new family. I knew he was big, much bigger than the creature named a disaster. So I did the right thing. I cried for help. I called out for help. And you know what? He answered my cry and he rushed to help me. He knew what to do and how best to protect me. I'm glad I recognized I needed help and called. Now I know even more that this someone, this owner of mine, cares for me and is there for me. Brothers and sisters, which is the truth? The first or the second? Everybody agrees the second? Yeah. You know, um, 
Dear ones, brothers and sisters, if there's any one of you sitting here who don't know Jesus, you have no control over your life. You have no control over your life. God watches over you and me and he's in control. You know, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me and I'll answer you and tell you the great and unsearchable things you do not know. Ephesians 1, 7 to 8 says that, We thank God for his loving favor towards us. He gave this loving favor to us through his much-loved son. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are bought and made free from the punishment of sin. And because of his blood, our sins are forgiven. You and me needed Jesus and needs Jesus. His visitation to earth was for you and me to be born, to die for our sin. He paid the penalty of our sins and is willing to accept us back. And you know, you might think I've sinned so much. I've sinned so much. Nobody knows about my sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we tell him our sins, he is faithful. Amen. He is faithful and we can depend on him to forgive us for our sins. And he will make our lives clean from all sin. What a savior we have, right? What a savior we have. Concluding, concluding, coming to the the last part about the prophecy and about the Benedictus. Uh, Zechariah sings about John's ministry. He first sings about the Messiah. Now he talks to his little son in his arms. But before that, I'd just like to mention something that um, Zechariah mentions about Jesus. He says, verse 78, Because of God's tender mercies, the morning light, the day spring from on high, the rising sun from heaven is about to break on us. Anybody has experienced the day spring from on high? How it could feel like? You know, when you're, some, of, some of our dear ones love to drive, right? You know, and we love to love go, go long distance. 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.20, 5.28, before 5.30. You know, from darkness, slowly the light comes up, right? And we find that so assuring, right, when we drive, that the morning light breaks upon us. There's no more darkness, but we're entering into light. That is, the, that is how the day spring can be, can be in simple terms, uh, explained by me. Maybe there might be much more deeper things, but um, John Zechariah's solo has a final burst, and in that he says that he calls this the dawn of heavenly sunlight, day spring from on high, and it breaks into the horizon of a dark world. The coming of Jesus is just like that. And, and Zechariah is also saying it is the end of hopeless living to shine on those just like you and me who lived in darkness and the shadow of death. Just picture someone on a death row. Okay? Someone on a death row. Hopeless and pinning away beyond all rescue. And suddenly the door opens and there's light for them to walk out. So the day spring on high, the light of God breaks into darkness to end our hopeless living. Again, dear ones, if you do not know Jesus, this is salvation. There's no other way to explain salvation. There's no other way to explain the gospel. And, and you know, what is the end result? It is the hope and guidance to an amazing end, meaning to eternity with Christ. You know, this is a difference that Jesus Christ makes. When he comes into our life, the shadows, the darkness flee away. When he comes into our life, you're released from the prisons of sin forever. And when he comes into your life, our feet walk the path of peace with God. An unmatched impact, 
an unmatched impact. Nobody can ever fathom or ever compete with this impact that Jesus Christ has made upon humanity. Will you invite this Savior into your life? Will you welcome this Savior who is willing? You know, we sang the song, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe, right? The Savior who came to die for you and me. God has visited us in the name, in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, that same divine visitant comes and knocks at your door of your heart. Some of you hear it. Some of you keep it shut. Don't keep it shut. Salvation belongs to our God. And I think it was George who read today, you know, the wages of our sin is death. The wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. You will God does guide our feet into ways of peace. The last thing, you know, um, you know, in the highlight of the entire Benedictus, it was never about John the Baptist. It was about, about the Messiah. It was about the Messiah. Um, Georgie, the next slide, Georgie. And um, then he talks about his son, the divine call, and he gives a charge for John's uh, ministry. And I'm not going to go through all the verses because of the lack of time here, but we will look at Isaiah 40 verse 4. It says, A voice of one calling, Prepare the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. This is John the Baptist's ministry description. Okay, Every valley shall be lifted, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground will be made smooth, and the rugged land a plain. John 1 verse 23 says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Jesus commends him later in Matthew 11 verses 11 to 16. You know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah prophecies that his son will fulfill the Old Testament prophecy. Zechariah makes it clear that John is called the prophet and not the Messiah. He's very clear about that. You know, and it's true, right? In all of John's life, he preached what? Repentance and baptism for the remission of sins. John pointed people to Christ. And he wasn't afraid to talk about turning from sin, hell, and God's wrath. He was bold. He was faithful and obedient as a true prophet of God. And I love this statement that he makes in his life. You know, John 3.30, I pray that would be our prayer. He says, therefore... This joy of mine is now complete. He must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. Is that our prayer? I'm asking the same question to myself. Is that my prayer? You know, I just want to give a, a, a small um, illustration. This illustration is not mine. Um, it's from uh, a series that many of us have seen called Bio. Um, and in that, um, Brother Chip Ingram brings out the word of God in a different way. And I just want to use his analogy. Keep John the Baptist's theme in prayer that Christ would increase and I would decrease. Now, this is your church. This is your church. This is the Lord's church. And we're members of this church, Right. And, you know, we've been as, uh, you know, we've been sharing with you as elders that we have a desire to plant churches, right? And it's coming soon. It's not like it's going to be 100 years away. It's going to be coming soon. How can you and me be available for this church plant? How can you and me be passionate that this is what the mandate is for the church? 
you know you know this is by the way don't look don't to be caught up to about too much about the brand this is this is something our morris has sourced out for me thank you morris um you know look at this cup okay look at this cup now what you pour into this and normally when you go to a coffee shop what do you get a cold coffee hot coffee uh you know all the coffees um keep your mind focused don't think about coffee now you know keep your mind focused um and it's poured in right there's nutrition there's flavor various things in it now without the cup without the cup can the coffee be taken yes or no no we are not the content of the cup we are not the content, but we are just the cup we're just the cup we are carriers of the word of god the gospel and who christ is towards people we are carriers just like the cup sometimes you have a lid on top of it right and what does the lid do it keeps the heat it keeps the nutrition and you can take shots to sips and you can enjoy it right sometimes are we willing to be that for many of our dear ones who want to study god's word there's opportunities to serve with sunday school opportunities to serve with cell groups opportunities to help out with the setup team are we willing to be there where you know just the love of christ can be experienced are we willing to invest into each other and teach god's word every sip there is nutrition there is goodness of who christ is then you have um, a sleeve and sometimes god wants us to take the heat from those who are holding the cup the sleeve also steadies the cup right without the sleeve you know everybody could just get burned and sometimes our responsibility is to be there in whatever way is possible you know i just want to acknowledge our music team and you know all the teams but i'm just saying of what you do daily is to enable this the filling of this cup to be made known to everybody around and including the setup teams the sunday school team multiple of you but there are times when things get messy and god calls us to clean someone's mess and we clean it for whom we clean it for the lord can we have a prayer that john the baptist said you know we are not we are not the message brothers and sisters we are not the message we're just messengers we're just carriers of the gospel can we be that can we be that in this church there are so many dear ones you know i've seen who are new today can we go speak with them if there's anyone that you feel that you want to take out for a meal take them out let christ be seen through your life let you proclaim the gospel through this you know do our actions reflect the same in our families in our neighborhood in our workspaces our college our church in the ministry god has enabled us for are we willing to empty ourselves out for the sake of the gospel and for christ to be made known have that prayerful ambition that john the baptist said that jesus would increase jesus would increase and i would decrease and this dear brother was beheaded beheaded you know even when his disciples went and asked you know we're seeing jesus over here and you know he says you know go and see what 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 the messiah is doing also is amazed of how zechariah holds his little baby and gives him a charge a divine charge what a legacy to leave behind right with our children brothers and sisters you know what our kids are not going to you know the legacy is not we leave properties with them or our investments or our stocks or our bitcoins and that is not what our kids want they need a godly legacy 
can we pray many of you who are praying for children pray that you would leave a godly legacy with them pray that you would leave a godly legacy with them Zacharias and Elizabeth had only probably few years with John the Baptist but they invested into this man to this young boy because later on we know that he went into the wilderness if anybody know what he was doing in the wilderness please read history they say probably he was in the Qumran caves we do not know but this brother had a vision and a mission to be the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ he lived up to that closing you know just think about okay just think about and i request all of you to just close your eyes um in your cell groups discuss further there'll be multiple truths the word of god comes fresh every morning every morning you know do we stand by god's word god's word do our kids see that their parents stand by god's word or you know standing by god's word versus customs traditions and practices is our faith and our convictions generic or is it personal our very own do we aspire to live spirit filled lives giving hope to others that our life cbf members life is like a salt and light in a community that needs christ also we looked into it today that god is our salvation the day spring from on high his divine visitation his mighty redeeming power his covenants and promises and his transforming enablement for us spiritually emotionally and in our behaviors what a generous generous god we have what's our response and lastly you know the second last is what is our personal prayer and our prayerful ambition let it be that he must increase christ would increase and i must decrease how can we serve the church in whatever capacity we how can we be involved even in the planting desires that the church has and lastly whether you're single whether you're married whether you're aged or young let this be our prayer that we would leave a godly legacy just like zechariah and elizabeth did to john let's pray Lord Jesus Christ we want to thank you thank you that you visited us that you redeemed us Lord your mercy is more than what our sins could even weigh Lord we thank you for coming in the form of a baby we thank you Lord for living a life on this earth thank you for seeing each one of us even before the foundation of this world was set you saw us You saw us. You knew, knew exactly how sinful we were, and yet you accepted us, Lord. You're truly, truly, the day spring from on high in our lives, Lord. You're the horn of our salvation. There is none like you, and we want to thank you that soon, Lord, in your return, Lord, that you're going to lead our paths into paths of peace to be with you for eternity. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, we pray. we pray as a church as any one of our dear ones who do not know you that you would knock on their doors and they would open the doors of their heart towards you lord that salvation would enter their home that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life and you are faithful to forgive lord you're faithful to forgive there's any one of our dear ones far away from you lord we pray that you would draw them back Thank you for the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We've got so much to learn from this godly family, Lord. 
Thank you for the life of John the Baptist and the mandate and the charge that was upon him, Lord. Be with us as a church, Lord, as we listened to your word and as we discussed during the week, Lord. Our only prayer this week, Lord, we want to pray that as we go in and out, Lord, that Christ would increase and we would decrease. We bless this time in your name and bless your word and we thank you for your word. In Jesus Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.